good morning, church. We're going to sing a few songs together. If you want to stand and join with us, that would be fantastic. We're gonna sing raise a hallelujah. Well, I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Well, I'll raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I'll raise a
good morning. That isn't sad. I don't know what else does. We're so glad you're here joining us in New Life, and uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. Most importantly, I'm glad God is here with us this morning. For great is his faithfulness to his people, right? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, despite whatever we bring in here with us this morning, whatever is heavy on our hearts, God, we can raise a hallelujah to you, God, because you are in control of all things. You have this whole world in your hands. And we are here to worship you, to set our hearts and our minds on you in this moment. And God, our prayer is that we are open to what you have for us. May we hear that loud and that quiet voice. Or just know in the silence, God, you are there with us in that suffering. You are the way maker, the one who sees us through. So let's continue to worship him this morning.
trumpet sound Oh, may I then in him be found Dressed in his righteousness alone Faultless stand before the throne I could sing of your love forever I could sing of your love
shape you find us in, God, you're going to love us just as we are. You're going to accept us into your heart, into your family, into your love, God. And so may that love change us. 
And may your promises stand true, God, that you will not leave us like that. But as we lean into your love, as we lean into your grace and as we lean into your mercy, God, as we allow those things to, to fill us by your spirit, they change us to be more like you, Jesus. And all of this is for you and your glory and your kingdom. And in Christ Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, I'm so glad you've come to join us for our online service. And I really hope that as you're watching this, it's more than just being a spectator, but you take that step to say, how does this affect me? And how do I lean in? And what does God have for me? Because he's inviting us into something more. And I hope you don't miss out on that. Hey, as we get ready for this, uh, I want you just to be aware of a couple things. One, uh, if you download our app onto your phone or mobile device, uh, there's all kinds of resources there for you uh, to grow deeper, to, uh, to follow after Christ. And so I hope you'll, you'll check those out. You can get the note-taking sheet, stuff for your family. It's all on there for you. Also, you can go to our website at newlifecc.com. And if you haven't been there in a while, I want to encourage you to go to our website. Uh, it's been reworked and revamped. It's much easier to navigate. Uh, you can download immediately the note-taking sheet, life group questions right from the front page. You can watch previous services. So check out our, our website, the redesign at newlifecc.com. Also, we have our texting number 30500, and you'll see below, if you'll text different words to that number, you can connect in different ways. So if there's something we can pray with you about, text the word prayers. If you'd like to stay current on what's happening around our campus, text the word update. And if you'd like to kind of be a part of our Connect 3, which is a way of you and two friends to read the Bible together, just a few verses at a time, uh, kind of let it soak in and then text your two friends. And you'd like to be a part of that with us, text CONNECT3 to 30500. You'll get a link to a little short video, one minute video uh, every single week and then the readings for that week. And so I hope you'll follow in with that. Come join us in that because God's doing some really great things. Well, hey, this is our moment when we stop and we pause and we remember all that Christ has done for us and that he invites us to be a part, to, to respond back to him. And this we do through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. You can do that through our app. You can do that online. You can do it through our website. Uh, you can also mail it in. You'll see the information below. But however you choose to give, I want you to take that step to say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm, I'm being obedient. I'm following after you. And I want to respond in generosity back to you. So take the, take the step uh, to solidify that in your life, to move in faith in all that God has for you. Hey, one last thing before we, uh, before we dive in. Uh, on Sunday, May 2nd, we're going to be doing child dedications in our live services uh, at our campus. And if you have uh, a baby or a child that you would like to dedicate and you'd like to be part of that, uh, we'd love to have you fill out the form online. In fact, if you'll look in the description box below, uh, you can click on that and there's a, there's a link there that will take you uh, right to the registration page. Love to have you do that. Love to have you be part of dedicating your child, taking that step to say in our family, we, we are going to honor God by responding in gratitude to this child that God has given us and to take that step to, to raise them to know God and to follow after him. So make sure you check out that link below and we'd love to have you be part of that. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 25. 
Matthew's the first book in the New Testament, so go ahead and find it, whether you have a digital Bible or a physical one, I want you to join into that, because we are starting a brand new series today, and it's called Unstrapped. And we're going to be in this for this week and for the next two weeks. And you think, well, what do you mean by unstrapped? Like, like, what does that mean? Well, most of us probably at some time have said, I've got so many bills, I'm just, I'm strapped. We just feel like we're, we're tied down with, with all the weight of, you know, uh, bills and debt and responsibilities, all those things that become so challenging for us. So we're gonna look at what God has to say about that. I want you to think about it this way. And I think this has probably happened to you. I know it's happened to me many times. You get in your car, you put the seatbelt on and maybe you're driving, maybe you're just a passenger, but you're, you're doing some stuff, maybe talking, moving around a little bit. And all of a sudden that seatbelt gets tighter and tighter and tighter and you're trying to loosen and it's in that locked phase. And it's like pretty soon you just, ugh, you gotta undo the, the, the latch because it's just like suffocating after a while. Well, that feeling of, hey, it was okay to begin with, and now it just becomes so restrictive. Um, that's sometimes how we feel when it comes to the resources in our lives. The struggle is that that financial seatbelt keeps getting tighter and tighter and tighter, and we keep trying to, to figure it out, and yet, here we are, strapped. And I think all of us would agree that our resources and our finances are, are those areas where at least a good portion of the time we feel stressed. We feel anxious about it. In fact, just last week, uh, I came across this article with all these uh, tweets about adulthood. And I'll read a few of them to you. And I wonder, do any of these sound familiar to you? How about this? Adulthood is realizing that other adults don't know what's going on either. You ever feel that way? Or adulthood is just receiving an endless stream of documents that no one tells you whether to keep or to throw away and always somehow guessing wrong. Or adulthood is being really excited to buy new underwear and new socks, but also being stressed about the cost of new underwear and socks. Adulthood is just an endless cycle of thinking you've finally got some savings and then instantly being hit by an unexpected bill. Or how about this last one? Adulthood is just paying off debt to make room for a little more debt and then trying to pay off that debt. That's sometimes how we feel. And by the way, this isn't just a 21st century issue. It's always been a root issue for humanity. And here's my question. Do you think that God would choose not to address this major area of our life? That God and his word would somehow want to uh, deal with all these internal issues, which the Bible does, and deal with relationships and conflict and family and marriage and sexuality and all these things. But that somehow he would take finances and resources and say, eh, that's kind of a touchy area. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk about that. God wouldn't leave us hanging like that. And see, for, for most of us, we, we're probably strapped before we even realize that we're strapped. So here's a few questions to maybe see if you're leaning into this category of, of being strapped. If you spend more than you make in a year, I hate to tell you this, but you're strapped. If you don't know whether or not you spend more than you make in a year, you are strapped. 
if you don't care that you might be spending more than you make in a year. You're strapped. If you feel like you're not saving enough, you may be strapped. If you don't really know how much you're in debt, you may be strapped. If you don't know where your money goes, you're strapped. And here's the thing. Most everyone else is in a similar place. And so there's this part that we've just resigned ourselves to living like that. And maybe you even wonder, how in the world did I get here? And you could probably go back and look at some decisions that you made and, and some choices that you engaged in. And you think, wow, those were part of it. But, but sometimes it's a little bit of a mystery. And by the way, before we get too far in this, let me just tell you, it really doesn't matter how much money you make or how little you make to be in this position. Because you can be strapped and actually make quite a bit of money. And you can be strapped and make a little money. But here's the question. What if you could get unstrapped? Not by suddenly winning the lottery or anything like that, but what if there would be some, some wisdom to bring you towards freedom? See, we, we feel this anxiety and fear that we're living with today, but we're gonna see what God has to say, yes, about money and about our possessions, but more than that, really about our own hearts, because he actually wants us to experience freedom. He wants us to be able to see the wisdom that he brings to this, that we can kind of go from where we've been or maybe where we even are to something new. Now, I know some of you, as you're watching this, you already feel a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of struggle, not because uh, of where you're at in all of this, but because the idea of mixing money and financial things with spiritual things is just like, ah, I, I don't know. You know, it, it just maybe seems like those two things shouldn't come together. And maybe, again, there's this fear in all this. But the Bible says that pure, perfect love casts out fear. And when you begin to see, and this is true for me, when you begin to see and understand what Jesus has to say about this, we can actually begin to let go of fear and we can begin to live in freedom. In fact, it's kind of the key to all this. When I begin to see what God sees, when I begin to understand his direction and his wisdom and his heart towards me in this, I'm more likely to do what he says because I'm, I'm experiencing something different and something more. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, during this uh, this message, this, this whole, am I going to live in fear or am I going to live in faith thing? And so think about this. Are you going to kind of stay in that same place or are you going to find freedom in faith? So I want to read you Jesus' words in Matthew 25, and we're going to start at verse 14. And so I want you just to kind of follow along in your Bible. This is a parable that Jesus tells, which is a story. So it's not a true story. It's, uh, it's not just a fable. It is, it is a story, but the story has a spiritual point to it. Jesus is trying to convey something more than just the cast of characters here. But he provides it in a way that kind of engages us in the stories. Here's what he says. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. 
And he called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. And he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used the money, right? You, you would do this if this was yours. You'd say, hey, come tell me what happened. So the servant to whom he had trusted the five bags came forward with the five more and said, master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. And the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount I don't know about you, but five bags of silver sounds a little bit more than a small amount. But he says, comparatively, in, in what I've given you, you've taken it and, and you've doubled it. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Let's, let's, let's get together and just go, whoa, this was so awesome. Then the servant who had received the two bags came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. And the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amounts, and I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Same kind of story. And here's where it turns. Then the servant with the one bag came forward and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid that I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant, gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it starts really great, right? And then it gets, woo, really intense at the end there. And we think, man, is, is God mean like that? I understand there's limitations to this parable. Jesus is trying to teach us something in this. Now, let me just quickly summarize. Calls them together, hands out the money, but the implication, of course, is resources. Could be money, could be possessions, could be talents or abilities. And while these may be minor to the owner and the master, they're substantial amounts to those that he is working with. And when he comes back, the first two have doubled what they've been given. They're encouraged and praised. But the real story is this last guy. When the master comes back, he says, I was afraid, which is important here. He buries it. He didn't invest it. He didn't use it because his fear was, I'll lose it. His fear was, I won't have anything to show. And the point that Jesus is making is that there is something worse than losing what you've been given. Let me say that again. There's something worse than losing what, what you have. And some of you are maybe thinking all of the, the what ifs that go on in your own life around the resources that you have. Well, well what if I lose what I have? What, what if I lose my job? What if something goes sideways? What if, what if the savings I have goes away? And we think, I'm so afraid of losing. We live with this mindset of scarcity. 
There's just not enough to go around. So I have to hold on tight. And Jesus is telling us that there's something worse than simply losing what we have. And I think, I think it has to do with, with missing what's even more important. Not just losing what's in our hand, but missing the greater thing that he wants to bring. So I'm going to give you a few things. I want you to write these down on your sheet. The first is this. I'm unstrapped when I recognize that it all belongs to God. In other words, I begin to find freedom when I realize that this is all his to begin with. Look back at verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a trip, calls together his servants and gave them money to invest for him while he was gone. Now, look at it again. He called together his servants or his employees and he gave them his money to invest for him. So when you look at it, you realize, well, it's all his from start to finish. And what Jesus is beginning to relay to us in this is that all that we have is God's. It all belongs to him. It's not ours. We get this kind of temporary management responsibilities, but it all belongs to him. Now, I think we all know when we, when we deal with little kids and, and babies and, and they hang on, especially toddlers and in those early ages, what they have is that, that mind. And I think we've all heard kids at some level, whether yours or someone else's or in the grocery store, some kid hanging on to something and just screaming, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whether it's a toy or a cookie or, or a parent, that's my mommy, not, not yours. And here's the thing, we look at kids and we think, well, someday they'll grow up. But the truth is, we just shift what we think is ours. That it's my car, that it's my house, that, that, it, that it's my job. And let me just say that this, this kind of, of ownership that is really misplaced because we're not really the owners, we're just the managers. This is an infectious disease that, that really chops at the very soul of us. But I'm telling you, when we come to the place where we realize that God loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die in our place for our sins, so that we could be forgiven and so that we could know life and that we could know love. We begin to see this deeper truth that he has given us everything, the breath in our lungs. If, if you were tuned into services a couple weeks ago on, on Easter, we talked about this very thing. All that we have, our heartbeat, our, the breath in our lungs, the ability to, to have a job and to, the skills we have, all of those have been given to us by God. So I have a couple sub things here I want you to write down just to kind of solidify this a little bit. This first one is this. All I have is a gift from God. It's a gift from him to us. First Corinthians 4 says this. What makes you better than anyone else? What do you have that God hasn't given you? Just what we've been talking about. And he says, and if, you and if all you have is from God, why boast as though you've accomplished something on your own? And so when I take that and I convert that to my actual life and what I have, I realize that, hey, I, I have this car that I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to get me from point A to point B and to, and to help me maneuver and, and get around. But guess what? It's not my car. It's God's. Or I think about even 
what I've been called to do, to pastor church. And, and this, it's more than a job, but this job I have that helps provide for my family and everything, it's not even mine. It's, it's his. He's given these to me. And a lot of us go through life kind of with that, you know, this is mine, this is mine mentality. And someday we're going to stand before God. And there's going to be this crystal clear moment when we go, oh, God, this was all yours, wasn't it? You gave me the, the opportunity to, to manage. And uh, the word that's often used is to steward something well. But it's all yours. So there's a second part to that. It's just not all that I have is a gift from God, but that I belong to God. In 1 Peter 1, it says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him for this purpose long before the world began. But now in these final days, he was sent to the earth for all to see. And he did this for you. Man, if I can just take you back two weeks to Easter, and if, if you weren't here, go back and watch that. But that's exactly what he's done. God, God paid a price for us. He rescued us out of the slavery of sin. He didn't pay for us with gold or silver, as it says in Peter, but with the most precious thing in all the universe, his son. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to God. And so the first step in this journey is this recognition that all I have, breath in my lungs as we talked about, but also every single resource I have, everything I have in the bank, every, everything that, home, car, I mean, everything, it all belongs to God. And he has given those to me to manage well for his purposes. So write this down for number two. I'm unstrapped when I manage God's resources well. Or again, another way of saying this is that I find freedom when I manage his resources well. Look at Matthew 25 and that 14th verse again. He called together his servants and gave them money to invest for him. So there's this responsibility in that to do it as he would like. So when we think about our primary identity in life, and I know this is maybe hard to hear and hard to grasp, but it's actually to, to serve. We've been called to serve. We've been designed and we've been created to serve, not in some oppressive kind of way, but really in freedom in life. Because here's the, here's the reality. We're all going to serve something or someone. There have been songs even about that, that we're going we're gonna to serve somebody. And you think, well, I don't, I don't serve anybody, but you probably do. In fact, I would say you definitely do. You maybe just don't recognize it. Whether it's, you know, in paying your taxes, guess what? You are serving our government in, you know, the things that need to be taken care of, armed forces and protection and roads and, you know, all those different things that go on. If you are in a job, you're, you're serving uh, a boss or shareholders or a board or something. We all serve something and someone, uh, some power greater than us. And Jesus says in Matthew that you can't serve two masters. You're going to serve 
but you can't do two at the same time because you will either love one and hate the other or, or love the other and hate the one. I mean, we're, we're simply going to do that. And Jesus puts it in the context of our resources. And he says, you can't serve both God and money because you will either serve money in this world or you will serve God, but you cannot serve them both. And the Bible says that people who love money will never have enough. And people who love money will not live in a sense of peace. Proverbs 15 says, it's better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure with turmoil. And that's what happens. Now here's the reality. All of us have been given this managerial role. We all have this, this business that God's placed us in. That's right. You have a business and your business is to manage God's resources for him. And the story we read is about managing it his way. You see, God invites you to take what you've been given and to do something with it. And some of what you do with what God gives you is going to bring a financial and economic return to you. You think, well, what do you mean by that? Well, you're going to take what you've been given, strength, abilities, smarts, education, all those things, and you're going to go and you're going to exchange that. You're going to put it into play and you're going to get what we would call a paycheck or a salary. And you're going to take all those gifts, skills, time, abilities, opportunities to provide for your needs and for your family. And that's not a bad thing. That's a God thing. It's a good thing. You take that and you invest it. But God also expects you to be in the business of managing his resources so that it brings about, yes, a blessing to you and provision for your family. But he also wants things to bring a spiritual return. It's more than just exchanges and transactions. It's more than just this for that. Because I'll tell you, the most important thing you're going to see in the story that we just read is that this third guy misses all of that. He never uses the resources for the owner and he misses out on something deeper and better. He thought that the most important thing was not to lose, but the greatest loss, I want you to hear this, the greatest loss is to be given all that you've been given and not invest it for a spiritual return in God's kingdom and in God's service. If you go back and you can, you can Google this, you can go and look at it on Wikipedia, but about 100 years ago here in the U.S., there was a period of time, an era called the Dust Bowl, the Dust Bowl era. And during this time, there were these literal dust storms that practically ruined the environment, ruined agriculture throughout most of the Midwest. And year after year, these farmers would watch their seed get blown away. No harvest, no return, no nothing. And for many of them, it got to the point after it went on for years, you know, year after year after year, it got to the point where the only thing they had, their only investment was not out in the field. Their only investment was the seed they had in those sacks in the barn. That's the only thing they had to show for, for all of their hard work and for all of their investments. And, and many of these farmers got to these moments in the, in, in the fall when it was time to, to plant where they were too afraid to plant because they thought it's going to be the same thing all over again, that, that all this investment, all this seed is just going to get swept away again. And so what they chose to do was keep the seed in the barn. And I'll tell you, whether you're in agriculture or not, you're going to know this. The worst thing a farmer can do is to keep the seed in the barn. Because there is never a harvest, ever a harvest, 
when the seed never gets planted. And it's easy for us to live with this sense of loss or fear of the future, but God's given us, again, this business to invest and manage his resources for his kingdom. And so we trust him by investing in his kingdom. I want you to look at a couple of these verses in Matthew 25. We're going to look at verse 26, 28, and 30, because we kind of skipped. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of gold. Then he says, now throw this useless servant out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That gnashing of teeth is this sense of, ugh, ugh. We've probably all done that at one time or another. It's the sound of regret. If only, if only I would have had faith. If only I wouldn't have just lived in fear. See, this guy, he lost more than he thought he could ever lose. And the thing is this, I know you and I, we want to make a difference. We want to live an open, generous life. I think all of us want to manage the resources that God has given us well. I would even say at some level, we, we all want to be generous and we all want to give. But the thing is, is that fear comes in and we think, I'm going to hold on tight. And we think that's the answer. But fear has a way of clouding our thinking. It moves us to keep the seed in the barn, to keep the, the resources that God has given us held tightly. And in that, we miss the bigger picture of God's provision and his faithfulness. Here's the reality. Faith isn't the absence of fear. Faith is facing fear head on. You will never get to the place where there isn't uncertainty. I don't think you'll ever get to the place where you have a guarantee and you simply know the future and so it's no big deal at all. God wants you to live in the place where you say, I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, but I believe that God is faithful and God is good and God has been the provider of all this and it belongs to him. So I'm going to trust him and I'm going to experience his presence and his provision and his blessing. Listen to what Jesus says to the one who, t- who chooses faith over fear. He says this, the master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So I will give you more responsibilities. I'm going to open things up for you. He says, let's celebrate together. That's what God has. So write this down for the last one. I'm unstrapped when I follow God's plan for my resources. In other words, I find freedom when I follow God's plan for my resources. So I'm going to give you four things. I want you to write these down and we're going to, over these next couple weeks, dive into these further. So this is going to be real brief, but I want you to just catch these things of God's plan for my resources. The first is this, to honor him. Write that down, to honor him. It's his, it belongs to him, he gives it to us, and he wants us to honor him with what we've been given. So 
we think, God, this is yours. So how do I live with, with an open hand to you? How do I invest in your kingdom? How do I respond back to you? So Malachi 3.10 says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there'll be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. And then this is the only time you see this in the Bible. God says, try it, just try it and I'll prove it to you. Now he says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. Well, what's the tithe? Well, tithe literally means 10th, another T-E-N-T-H. In other words, 10%. And all through scripture, that's what this is meant, to take 10% of what we receive, of our resources, of our income, and bring it to my house, bring it to the temple, bring it to God's house, and again, we're going to look at this more in the coming weeks. But I will tell you this, and, and you may hear that and go, what? what? Like, I, I don't even know if that's possible. Well, don't get discouraged, because again, we're going to talk about this in the coming weeks. But I want you to feel a freedom in this, that God's inviting you to take the first baby step. You know, our, our mission around here is loving people one step closer to Jesus. Maybe for you, this, this idea of living in generosity is taking one step closer to Jesus. Maybe you can't go all the way there, but one step. But here's what I will tell you. There are two kinds of givers. One kind of giver does whatever they need to do in their life. They take care of all that they need to take care of. They live life however they've figured it out. And then whatever is left over when it's all said and done, they'll go, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give out of that. And I will tell you, most of the people who, who respond like that hardly ever get to the giving part and almost never get to this level of giving called the tithe because life has a way of just taking it all away from us. And I don't think it's because those people don't want to. It's just that they let fear stare at them down and say, yeah, but what if? What if I give first and then there's not a, we, we live in this what if, what if there's not enough? This fear plays. But the second kind of giver is the giver that says, God loves me, God provides for me, and I'm gonna give out of the first part, right off the top. Not the leftovers, not the what I can kind of eke out a little bit, but it's the first thing I do. And then I'm going to manage my life with the, less, with the rest. And I know it's scary and I know it's hard. And for some that seems impossible because you've lived your life in such a way and maybe even taken on such large amounts of death, you just have no margin. And you think, how do I even start? Take the very first step. And say, the very first thing I'm going to do is God, I'm going to give back to you. So that's how we honor him. Now, the second thing is this, we invest in the kingdom. And in Matthew 25, 16, it says, the servant who received the five bags invested the money and soon doubled it. And so that's where we, we look around and say, hey, there's things that God is at work in and doing. And we support some of those ministries around here, like the gospel mission and the pregnancy center and our food bank and some of those things, uh, World Vision and Holt International. We, we participate to care for kids around the world. And we say, you know what? I, I want to do what I can to be a part of this kingdom work that's going on. And I'm going to invest in that. So that's the second one. The third is this, a real practical one, is to save. Proverbs 21 says this, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. So think about this. Are you taking some of those things in your life and saying, you know what? I'm going to start 
I'm going to be in this place of going, I'm going to give back to God. I want to invest in the kingdom and I'm going to give back to him. And then I'm going to kind of prepare for, for what's coming next for this, this unexpected things in my life. So wisdom from the Bible is to, is to save. And I realized they just said that, that I missed number three. So some of you are thinking, whoa, 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 you missed number three. So write this, minimize debt, minimize debt. Proverbs 22 says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Guess what? When I said earlier that we all serve somebody, there's a lot of us that are serving Visa and we're serving uh, MasterCard and we're, you know, we, we have all these, these debts that, guess what? We've become servants to them. Now we know when, you know, you buy a home and some of those things, it's almost impossible to do it any other way. But sometimes we're living above our means. And the Bible talks about how to be free, we have to begin to put our lives in order so that we give to God and honor him. We invest in his kingdom. We minimize our connection and our, our, our serving those who, who loan to us. And then we set aside for those unexpected things. It's wisdom from the Bible. So let me leave you with a couple of things. Would you be praying this week about the bottom line of your faith? Do you trust God? You've, you've given him your life and your eternity, but are you willing to trust him with what he's already given you? Maybe you've been strapped by fear and anxiety and the economy and a thousand other things. There's incredible freedom and peace that comes when your faith and your trust works all the way out into day-to-day -day living. We can find freedom. We can be unstrapped. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your wisdom. And God, as uncomfortable as this sometimes makes us feel to, to tie holy things and things of faith and things of you with this really practical side of, of paychecks and debt and, and bills and all, all those things it just seem like there's, there's no connection. But Lord, all through scripture, you show us that there is incredible connection down to the very roots of our heart and soul that get tied up with, with money and possessions. And Lord, we want to put those in a right order. So I pray, Lord, that we would hear your wisdom, we would hear your heart. And more than that, Lord, we would choose to respond in generosity and faith with all that you've given us. We love you and we thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let me leave you with this. Proverbs 3 says this, trust God from the bottom of your heart and don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. Man, maybe this has been a season you've been off track in these arenas of your life, but maybe this is the time you're gonna listen to God's voice and his wisdom and you're gonna find freedom. Hey, thanks for joining us for this online service. Uh, if you've missed weeks in the past, I hope that you'll go back and you'll watch those. But don't miss out on these next couple weeks because I think God wants to set you free. Hey, be blessed and be a blessing.